faces and that are visiting with us because today we're having a uh, baptismal service so we'll proceed to that in just a moment but first place we're going to come around the word of God and see what God's word says amen okay John chapter 3 gospel of John chapter 3 now James alluded to it before But the issue of baptism is very, very significant according to the Word of God. And (coughs) there is a a purpose to baptism. That's why we're having baptism today. But there's a lot of, um, I guess, confusion or misunderstanding that surrounds the issue of baptism as it's revealed and taught within the Bible. And so I want to continue it as it's seen and as it's taught in the scriptures but what I want us to understand is this and uh, James alluded to it that baptism is symbolic of a greater truth or a greater reality baptism is a thing we dipped into the water and so forth It's, it's physical, it's something that we see but you see baptism is significant of something that has transpired spiritually inside a person's heart, in their spirit. Baptism is the physical dimension. It's the physical aspect and we'll consider it in just a moment. But what I want to look at this morning is that which underpins the issue of baptism, that which is the foundation of baptism, that which makes Christianity what it fundamentally is and it's the issue in scripture that we talk about and it's called being born again from above. Born again. Hallelujah. You see, it's one thing to name the name of Christ. It's one thing to be religious. It's one thing to have religious affiliations. But what I want us to understand this morning is the issue of baptism uh, is that which it means to be born again or born from above as we will see in this particular portion of text. You see, uh, the issue of baptism, we understand it's something that Jesus commanded. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and uh, for it believed baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, this is obviously the command of Scripture. It's an instruction that the Lord has commanded, and so that is uh, obviously the fundamental reason why we do it. But remembering this, that baptism is much more than just that, uh, it is related to that which has transpired inwardly. And this is what I want us to identify, this is what I want us to uh, concur with and I want us to understand because this is the foundation being born from above or born again as we will see in the portion of text that we will read. And I want to preach to you this morning a sermon that I've entitled The Second Birth. Mark it down, the second birth. Now this might be familiar and obviously is to many that are here but maybe others, you may not have heard this message before and so I pray that your eyes would be open to what the Bible teaches because the issue of the second birth is critical. It is so critical to your salvation, it's so critical to your eternal destination, it's so critical to your eternal fate because we must be born again. You see, let it be known that you can be born once 
as we have all been born once, we're sitting here today. You can be born once and die twice or you can be born twice and die once. Now think about that. Just let that resonate for a moment. You can be born once and die twice. You see, death the, the first physical death is only one death that's taught in Scripture. The Bible speaks about a second death. Or you can be born twice, or born of the flesh and of the spirit and die only once, amen, this physical body, put it off and you can have eternity with God. You have no fear of the second death that is to come as revealed in the Bible. In Revelations chapter 21 verse 8, this is one portion of scripture where it refers to the second death and it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, Murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. You see, people fear the first death. I would say fear the second death because you don't want to face that. That's eternal. To be cast into the lake of fire, what we call hell. And so this is very serious as we consider these things this morning and so that's why I'm talking about the second birth so that you don't have to face the second death. And it's critical that we understand what Jesus is talking about. So let's ask the question this morning, well what is the second birth? Let's read in John's Gospel chapter 1. The Bible says, oh, chapter 3 verse 1, sorry, did I, I may have said, yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Well, let's look at it this morning. You see, Jesus is talking really what is the foundation of faith. It's the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. Because mark it down this morning, let me just say this from the onset, nobody is born a Christian, okay? Let's just let this straight as we proceed. Nobody. You can be born into a Christian home and raised in a Christian family, praise the Lord, but everybody has to be born again. No one is born a Christian. And so that may be offensive to some, but I'm going to show you scripturally 
exactly why this is the case and why Jesus is teaching us the need for a second birth. That's what he's talking about, to be born again. And so here we have Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a teacher of the religious establishment of the Jews. And by night he comes to Jesus because he understands as he's been observing Jesus in his ministry, he's seen uh, the miracles that Jesus has performed, he's observing the words that Jesus is speaking and so in coming to Christ uh, he says to him and acknowledges, there must be something significant about you. No one can do the signs that you're doing and more so uh, uh, unless God is with him and so he's wanting to make that acknowledgement but Jesus kind of really... (coughs) Uh, uh, bypasses all of that and he responds and uh, in in chapter 3 sorry in verse 3 of chapter 3 Jesus just kind of ignores that and he says to him most assuredly or yes indeed absolutely I tell you the truth this is what Jesus is saying most assuredly indeed yes indeed I'm telling you the truth unless you are born again or born from above you cannot see the kingdom of of God. Now that would that, that, that's quite a slap in the face, I guess, if you want to call it. Nicodemus wasn't expecting that. He was probably looking for some kind of you know an intellectual discussion with Christ. I don't know, but Jesus just kind of turns and gives it to him as it is, and gives him the reality and the facts as they are. And he says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless now mark that word, unless. There's no other exception to this. You see, people want to talk about many roads to heaven. It doesn't matter which path you're on, we all lead to the same destination. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. Because unless you're born again, unless you adhere to this, the words of Christ, this is not my words, I'm I'm teaching you to hear the word of Jesus Christ. Unless you're born from above, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God, full stop. That's a statement. And so it is imperative this morning that in Jesus, in, in Jesus saying this that we grasp and understand what it is that he means. What is he trying to tell us? Why do we need to be born again? Why do we need to be born from above? And so it's a serious consider, we must give it serious consideration because what we're dealing with is the difference this morning between heaven and hell. It is the difference between life and death. This is a very serious issue and I want to stress that as I already have and what's interesting is as Nicodemus hears these words he's kind of uh, uh, confronted with a truth that he does not comprehend nor does he understand. And so in verse 4 Jesus, uh, Nicodemus said to Jesus how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So you can clearly see Nicodemus's thoughts to this, to this statement that Jesus has made. He's wrestling in his mind, how can an old man go back into the womb and be born again, a second time? So he's understanding that there's a need for some kind of a birth, but how can that be possible? It's impossible. Well, you know, anything's possible with God, but physically speaking, yeah, it is impossible. Okay? How can this be? So he's not grasping nor does he understand nor comprehend what Jesus has just said and he's trying to interpret it according to his own understanding and his own natural mind. But you see Jesus is going to explain to him the situation and what is required. But you see 
what's interesting, it's not just Nicodemus that doesn't understand what it means. There are so many people out there who have no understanding of what the term born again or born from above, as the word means, born again from above means. I'm talking about people who claim to be Christians, people who, who are religious and, uh, uh, and uh, yet I can tell you even the religious establishment uh, will not make this uh, emphasis, they have no spiritual comprehension of what it means to be born again. That is why when I speak to people many a times about Christ and Christianity, I do make the distinction for, for, for it to be necessary. I'm a born again Christian. Because the term Christian has been uh, amalgamated and, uh, and, and muddled, muddled to anything and everything and it doesn't matter what you do or what you practice, well, I'm a Christian too. Well, hello, you have to be a Christian as defined by God's word. Not as you see it, not as we define it, not as the world interprets it, but God does. So the issue of born again is critical. See, I said that at the beginning. It's the foundation. Religious traditions and institutions cannot enable one to enter the kingdom of God. You know, when you die and stand before God, God's not going to say, what are you? Well, look, I'm Catholic. Um, I'm Orthodox. I'm I'm, I'm Anglican. And this is the whole concept. Actually, seeing that we're speaking of baptism, one of the sad tragedies of religion is that we think that by having infant christenings, as they call them, that somehow this is somehow appropriated to equate to some kind of born experience in Scripture. It has nothing to do. If I was to tell you, you show me a Scripture in the Bible where it tells you to, 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 to baptize. Read it. You read it. It doesn't. Actually, if you look at the Bible, you'll find that baptism always follows conversion. Whenever somebody who was of an intellectual capacity, who was able to independently exercise their will, once they had made an independent choice and decision to serve God, then they proceeded to be baptised. You will never find an infant baptism that is directly referred to or instructed in the scripture and yet it is practised all over the world. And so people think, well, you know, I was baptised as a child. So what is the answer? It has no spiritual significance. I'm not trying to be offensive here. I'm trying to appeal to you to understand that this has no significance according to the word of God. Baptism always follows the one who has been born again. So look at verse 5. Jesus answers to Nicodemus because he's still asking the question, can a, can a person enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus says to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus talking about here? Because we Again, some people would see the reference to water and automatically think, well, Jesus is talking about baptism. He's not talking about baptism. You have to look at the context. You see, Nicodemus has just asked Jesus a question about being born a second time from his mother's womb. 
So how, and this is according to the flesh. And so how can this happen? And so Jesus, the answer is found further in verse 6 if you, if you read it because Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So in other words, he's responding to Nicodemus and let me ask you, how is, how is, how is one physically born in the first instance? Through water. Is that true? Born of water. In the sense where a person is physically born from the womb, the waters break, it's that's literal. Okay? And so one born of water. But then there has to be one that is born of the spirit because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so what Jesus is showing us and teaching us is the need for a spiritual rebirth or a second birth, or in this instance, to be born again or born from above. So that poses another question. Well, what does that mean? We'll get to that in a moment. But can you see here and follow what's going on in this conversation with Christ? You see, it's about being born of the Spirit. In verse 7, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Or in other words, he says, don't be so amazed and so taken aback by the truth that I have just told you. Because it's a pretty, you know, when you first hear about the concept, this concept, it's like, whoa, what is this? I remember when I first heard about this concept of being born again. I was like, I've never heard anything like this before but yet it's clear, it's in the scriptures. I'm just reading to you the words of Jesus. This is his words. And yet yet, it's clearly there. Don't marvel, don't be surprised, don't be so amazed at this truth. You have to be born again. So why is a second birth required? Why is a second birth needed? Why do we have to be born of the Spirit and what does it mean to be born of the Spirit? So I want you to think about that because we're going to see it because there are two categories that we're going to set this up as and as we already have, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We have flesh and spirit. You are made of a spirit, soul and body. You have the spiritual dimension of your life and, which is internal, inward and you have the flesh, the outward. There is flesh and there is spirit. That's the distinctive marks. And we can also acknowledge that we've all been born of the flesh, otherwise you wouldn't be here this morning, very simple. But I would say that not all of us have been born of the Spirit and that's the need. You see, what does it mean to be born of the flesh? What does the flesh represent? And again, uh, James touched upon this this morning. You see, we're, we all have one common ancestor, Adam. We, as born of the flesh, we can be of different races, different nationalities and whatever else, but humankind is related to one ancestor in God's original creation. He created Adam and Eve. And you see, we are all traced back physically to one individual. We all come from one individual. We're all part of mankind, as we know it, the human race. And we are of the flesh. And so in that sense, we are of Adam. 
We are born in Adam in a, in, in a um, typological, symbolic sense. And so we are born into Adam. We are born with Adam's nature. You see, this is why when people say we're born Christians, you can't be born a Christian because you're born in Adam. You're born of the flesh. And the Bible says that the flesh is inherently corrupted. And so I would say to us this morning that the Bible teaches us that we are born with a sinful nature. Okay? We are born with a sinful nature. As we proceed in life, we begin to exercise and independently our own, uh, our own wills and then we become transgressors of God's law where we break God's law but inherently know what it is wrong. True? Did someone have to teach you what was wrong? It's just like it's just in there. It's inherently in our nature. And this is, again, uh, this is what it means to be born of the flesh. This is what it means to be identified with Adam. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says, For as in Adam, now we are in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ all shall be made alive. But we want to look at those first words. For as in Adam all die. You see, part of the curse and the the consequences of sin, you see, when God made Adam and Eve in the garden uh, and as they walked, death had not entered the world. But you see, through the fall, death entered the world spiritually and physically and so therefore we are still under, physically speaking in the flesh, we're still under the condemnation of that. That's why we will all one day put off this flesh. We're all going to die. We're all deteriorating. It's a reality. You can't reverse it. You can't do anything about it. And in Adam, all die spiritually because you see the reality is is that we are first spirit then soul body and so not only is death reigning in our physical body but the Bible teaches us that we are spiritually dead towards God that's why we in, in growing up we kind of think about well we know that God's around there's got to be an answer to life I mean surely we came from monkeys right we all just begin to ponder upon the depths and the realities of life because we realise it has to begin somewhere. But you see, we're spiritually dead. We're not in contact with God. We're alienated from God because of sin and that sin separates us from God. In Adam, all die. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, again, in verse 50, it says these words, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot physically, with this body, enter the kingdom of God. This body will return to dust from whence it came. And so, if that's the case, if flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God and we're we're dead in sin, separated, God, how are we going to enter the kingdom? How are we going to be qualified to enter and obtain eternal life and have the assurance that when we die and depart from this body that we will be with the Lord? Well, this is the, this is the issue. We must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read this to you so that you can see what I'm talking about. 
in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, in verse 1, the Bible says these words. Sorry, I missed it. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, he's speaking to the church here, and you he made alive. They were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Who's that? Satan. You see, once, we once walked according to the course of this world. In the flesh, we walked according to the prince of the power of the air, which, if you understand that biblically, is Satan himself. This world is under the control of the evil one. Who now works, this spirit works in the sons of disobedience. But you see, Paul writes and he says to the church, he says, but you who were dead in trespasses, you have now been made alive. This is what I'm talking about, church. Christianity is about life. It's a religious structure, an organisation, it's a system. It, we are talking about a person. We're talking about life. We're talking about Christ. You see, we were dead, Paul saying, you were dead spiritually and then you were born from above and you were made alive spiritually in Christ Jesus. You see, when a person is born from above, they make the transition from being in Adam. Now they are born of the Spirit, they are born of God and they are now in Christ. And when you are born of God, when you are in Christ, this is when the reality of God becomes real to you. You experience God's forgiveness, you experience God's love and you begin to identify with these things. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 again. As, uh, as I'll read it, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. Life. This is the second birth. And this is what it means. Let me read to you John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, now listen to this, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of the flesh. God. Aspect to be born of God. In Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, listen to these words. First Second Corinthians five verse seventeen, the Bible says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. You see, because when you are in Christ and you are born of the Spirit and you are born from above, the Bible says you become a new creation. Hallelujah. 
here because you are spiritually made alive. You can still be sitting here of the flesh, but something's happened to you internally. You have been made alive in Christ. The Spirit of God has entered you. You have been born, not of the flesh, but now of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't this exciting? This is the gospel. This is salvation. This is what the Bible teaches. And it's a neglected truth that is not being preached and so many other things get into the focus. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. You see, what Paul's saying is, in those days they held fast to circumcision. You know, well, I'm being circumcised as when I was a child, so therefore I'm, you know, all's good. I've had this ritual, I've been through this process. He says, listen, means nothing. What means something is this, the new creation. And speaking of baptism, so many people who have been uh, uh, christened as infants say, well, you know, I was, I, I was christened um, uh, when I was a child. Paul says it means nothing. What is important and the only significance and the only thing that is of matter to God is are you a new creation? In Christ. Are you born from above? Have you been born again? You see, that's all that matters. When we talk about water baptism, even now, as we're going to proceed with, with a water baptism, the greater truth is this, what we're talking about right now. The water baptism is symbolic of what we're dealing with right here. It's an outward expression. I'll show you. In, in, if you can turn to Romans chapter 6, and you can see verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, just read it there on the screen, but you can uh, see clearly what of being baptised one into Christ is and what water baptism represents when it says these words, it says in verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ, now that's not water baptism, being baptised into Christ. When you are born of the Spirit, you are born into Christ, you are baptised into Christ. And so don't you know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ were baptised into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So in other words, when, the reason why when a person's baptised and dipped into the water, one of the symbolic aspects of baptism is that here we have a person standing in the water and then they're going to be dipped into that water. That water is like a grave. And in doing in the baptism, we are identifying with Christ in his, uh, in his um, uh, uh, death, burial and resurrection. Because when you become a Christian, when you're born of the Spirit, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And so all of a sudden now, we're identifying with this inward reality by demonstrating through baptism that the old life is gone. And I've gone into the grave and I'm coming up from the water and I'm going to walk in the newness of life. I'm a new creation in Christ. See? Can you see it? This is one of the aspects here that relates to this newness of life, to water baptism. 
and it's all spiritual. Can I tell you, I still remember the day I was born again. 10th of July, 1992. What are we now? It's going a few years. But I still remember the day when I yielded and surrendered to Jesus Christ and I made confession of my sin and I called upon God for salvation. And I tell you, friends, my life was radically, radically changed. You look at me now and you think, here's the pastor. I could show you, which I won't, <laughs> but I could show you and I could talk, tell you things. That what I am now in Christ is not who I was. I was a rebel teenager. I was up to mischief. I was in practice. I was living in sin. I was. Uh, oh, I was. Uh, as a, I didn't hold back from all that the world had to offer. I went full throttle, and I said, "Let's, let's, let's do it." And by the time I was 18 years old, I was dry and and just disillusioned with life, and wasn't looking for God. I was looking for truth. What, what's the purpose of life? And I was introduced for the first time the gospel. And I was, someone told me about Christ and sin. I knew the guilt and shame of my sin before God. And when I understood that Christ paid the price at Calvary and died for me, I remember being broken before the Lord and I came in confession and I prayed that God would save me. And I tell you what, folks, my life was changed. I went to my family, they thought I'd gone crazy. I went to my workplace, they thought I'd gone crazy, except my wife now. She... <laughs> We worked at the same place and um, uh, she saw the testimony of my life. She came to church, got saved and gave her life to Jesus and was born again. Then we got married. But as a sinner, she wouldn't have had anything to do with me, trust me. But you see, but people knew, they said, what is it about Gary? There's something different. I mean, this is not how he behaves. I mean, I had long hair. I was down here and I was just, I was up to no good. And now here I am talking about God and salvation and love and they're like, whoa, what's he on? I wasn't on anything. I tell you, the love of Jesus Christ. I was born again. Something had happened to me on the inside that so radically transformed my life. And this is what I'm preaching to you this morning. And I want to prove this to you because go back to John chapter 3. Jesus continues to speak to Nicodemus and he says in John chapter 3 in verse number 8 I think it is he says these words he says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes so is everyone who is born of you see you can't, you can't see the wind. You know, the word in Hebrew, the word for spirit is ruach, means wind. And so Jesus is referring to the spiritual rebirth and he says the wind blows where it wishes but you know not where it blows. Now, you, uh, or how it blows and where it goes, where it comes from and where it goes. But so is the one who is born of the Spirit. So, in other words, you can't see what has happened internally, but you can hear the sound of the wind. You can see the effects of the wind, can't you? But you can't grasp the wind. You can't touch the wind. But you can feel the wind and you can hear it and you can feel and see the effects of it. So is everybody who is born of the Spirit. 
you will see a marked change and transformation. That's why people say, I'm born again. And then I look at their lives and they, their claim and yet years, uh, months later they're still living in disobedience and, and uh, sin to God. And I say, well, were you really born again? Because if you were, your life will be changed. There will be distinctive mark of transformation in your life. It's inevitable because when that wind blows... Have you seen a storm? When that wind blows... Does everything stay the same? Oh, no, no, no. When the wind blows, and I'm talking about a gale force wind, and we're talking about the Spirit of God, you are moved, you are changed, and you are transformed. A new creation in Christ. The fruit of salvation. Repentance from sin. You see, let me ask you this morning. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you experienced what Jesus is talking about here, what the Bible refers to as the second birth? Are you born from above? Because if you're not, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's that simple. Maybe there are even people that have grown up in church. Well, you know, I I was raised in a Christian home. Well, God bless you. Thank God for that but that doesn't automatically make you a Christian. You have to be born again too. You have to come to a point where you are born of God. And I ask you, have you been born again? And if you can't, if, if you can't honestly say in your heart with an assurance that I have been, I'm not sure, then you probably haven't been and you're probably not. And so I want to urge you this morning, What must I do to be saved? Well, confess that you're a sinner. The Bible says repent and follow Jesus. Turn from the ways of this world. Turn from your sin and confess your need for salvation. And I'm telling you now, you can be born of God, born from above, and your life can be changed and you can inherit eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so I implore you as I conclude this morning to be born for the second time because if you're not, you'll be born once and I tell you the truth, you will die twice. Be born twice and all you have to do is face death once and you know what? The Bible says there's no fear in death because once you've experienced God's God's, uh, um, love, once you've inherited eternal life, once you know the assurance of salvation, you know what, whether I live or die, I, I win. I have no fear of death. Let Bring it on. I get to be with Jesus. <laughs> I don't fear of death. But you should fear the second death. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, we just thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. My God, I just pray that you would speak and minister to hearts. Lord, I pray that this message and the words of God, the words of Christ, Lord, have been made clear to those that are present with us. Lord, we're dealing with the issue of eternal life and eternal death. We're talking about, Lord, heaven and hell. We're talking about the kingdom of God and the lake of fire. And Lord, in relation to that, there's this, that which is born of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit. Oh, in Jesus. 
you know, just, I just want you just to have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, just in respect to God and to those around us. I want to ask a question. You're here this, this morning and you've heard this message and you can say in your heart, I, 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 I can hear it, I see it. I have understanding it for the first time and you've never been born again. And you'd say, I want, I need Jesus. I need to be born again. I want the second birth. If that's you this morning, just put your hand up as where you're sitting. Just say, yes, that's me. I want to get right with God. I want to turn from my sin. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be saved. Just acknowledge that before God and myself with an uplifted hand. We'd count it a privilege to pray with you this morning. I see that hand, brother. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Be honest with God. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Call out to God this morning. Amen. I see that hand too. Anyone else this morning? I'm going to tarry for just a moment. And I exhort you, implore you, call upon the name of Jesus. Come before him this morning. We'd love to pray with you, lead you to Christ. Just an uplifted hand. Say, yes, I need Jesus. I want to be saved. Praise the Lord. Okay. If you can just all look at me and if I can have your attention for a moment. Isn't that interesting? Pastor Werner, I'm going to ask the two that have put their hand up to come forward. Pastor Werner, come. I want to pray with both of them. Shannon and Matthew. You see, what I'm talking about is important. This is critical. And these are the two that are wanting to be baptised this morning. And so, is it, I want, what I want you to do you guys, I was just about to ask you to bear testimony, okay? But I'm going to pray for you and I'm with you right now and then I want you to give it because you, you guys are going to, I was about to call you guys up to give a testimony of baptism and how you've come to the Lord. And I want you to incorporate whatever it is that God has spoken to you this morning and that has caused you to respond. I want you to share that with the assembly. But let's just take this time to pray. If you could both come to me. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray for both of my brothers, God. In response, Lord, to this message, in response, God, to your word, in response, Lord, to the Spirit of God that has drawn them. Lord, they're yielding, God. They're calling upon you, God. They pray, Lord, for the, to be not of the flesh, but of the Spirit, God, to be born from above. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Lord, quicken them, my God, with your Spirit. Lord, fill them with the Holy Ghost, I pray. Lord, let this newness of life flood and saturate their soul. Lord, let them experience the love and forgiveness and grace of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Pastor Warner, could you pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these two young men who came to the front, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you know their hearts and that they have the desire to be baptized, their old life to be buried. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that this morning you will bless them bountifully, Lord, 
as your wonderful spirit might blow into their hearts, O Lord, in such a way that it can walk from now on in a newness of life. In Jesus' glorious and wonderful name I pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you, brothers. Just stay here. You know, the Bible says there were those on the, on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached the first message. He preached and, uh, and he called upon them uh, to receive Christ as Saviour. And then they said to him, what must we do to be saved? And then Peter responded and he says, repent, let every one of you be baptised and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so this issue of, of repentance and baptism is critical. And the Bible says that day 3,000 souls were added. That day. Okay? And so baptism is something that is immediate and in response to what we're dealing with. And so I'm encouraged this morning that both of you have come forward and have acknowledged this and, 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 and desiring it before the Lord because it's very, very important. And so... What I'm going to do now, Pastor, when you can take a seat, is uh, what I was going to get both of them to do was to share a testimony to the assembly of how they've come to Christ, what Christ has done for them, and the whole issue, why they want to be baptised and, and give glory to God. So I'm going to ask Matthew first to do that, and then I'm going to ask you, Shannon, if we could just share that with the assembly. So let's do that this morning. Uh, morning, everyone. <laughs> Praise the Lord, huh? Um, I guess uh, start from the, the, the beginning. It's always a good place to start from. Um, born in a Christian home. Um, never really known the Lord. Always um, known about him, but uh, never really wanted anything to do with him. Um, going through school, asking questions and all that sort of thing. And then I did a program called... Uh, Year in the Sun, some of the people uh, that I did it with are, are here as well. Um, so much challenge in that course. Constantly um, making you question everything that you believe and why. And from that made me realise that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know where I was, what I was doing or why. And since then just been seeking, seeking the Lord, wanting to get to know him, and it's come up on me that um, it's about time I turn my back on all the sins and really just move with the Lord and walk with him, just, just a closer walk with thee. Hallelujah. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name's Shannon, and um, I, same as Matthew, always had a, a belief in the Lord and Jesus, but never had any faith. Uh, what had he done for me? Uh, I had a pretty bad childhood and wallowed in my own self-pity for many years, um, doing every sin that you could probably imagine and that's very hard for me to look back and have a lot of guilt with that association. Um, 
And even once I started attending church and reading the Bible, I still didn't have that faith. It's only recently after listening to the sermons of Dr. Charles Stanley, I was driving home from work and, and he said that you, your self-worth and your, you will be forgiveness, you will be forgiven for your sins. And it wasn't until that point that I realised that he will forgive me and I can forgive myself and to repent these sins and to have faith in the Christ our Lord and, and to repent and to be born again so that I can find salvation one day. And that's why I, you see me standing before you today. So thank you very much. Um, a lot of the assembly is obviously familiar with Matthew over the course of time and Shannon only recently, only visited a few times but uh, just to give you a bit of a background on during the week I had a phone call from Brother Sam and uh, who has just alerted me to um, Shannon and his situation and I said look give Shannon my details and get him to give me a buzz I'm more than happy to meet with him and, and so Shannon gave me a call just on Thursday and I said to Shannon, look, come around, let's have a chat. So he came to my house um, and uh, we sat down and he shared uh, just some of the things that he's just shared this, this, this evening or this, uh, this morning and uh, how God had, after listening to that sermon, how he kind of he pulled his car aside. Is that right? He had to pull over and he was so moved by what, what was going on and pulled aside and turned his car to the road and began to pray and call upon God. And so, in light of that, and as we, as we spoke about a number of things, as I identified those things, what hinders him from being baptised? And so, um, and he said that he has decided to follow Jesus. And so, I said, well, we're having a baptism on Sunday. Amen. And so, here we are today, ready to be baptised, both of these individuals.